this is Base Layer, brought to you by Arca. I'm your host, David Nage. This is Base Layer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have a great one uh, with Kosala and Brian from Mew today. How are you guys? Good. Very well, thanks. Awesome. So in the world where we're all doing things virtually, it's a great way to catch up with amazing projects. And so my Ether Wallet has been around for quite a long time. Um, and I'm really excited to finally have a conversation with you all. Uh, what we'd like to do before we get too far into the actual company and the technology that you guys have been developing, we'd like to hear a little bit about our guests on a personal level, what they did before uh, this journey into digital assets. And so, Kosal, if you could give us a little bit of background about yourself before um, you, and then Brian will kick it to you. And then we have a lot of questions to go through to learn about what you guys have built. Yeah, awesome. Um, like I mentioned before, thanks for having us, David. So um, my background um, goes all the way back to uh, the university time before crypto. So um, when I was 17, I moved to U.S. Uh, from Sri Lanka. I'm originally from Sri Lanka. And I moved to U.S. for my uh, education in computer engineering. And um, so I've been pretty like consistently throughout my like young days, um, pretty consistently, I was always into computer science and computer engineering, building things, programming, um, I was coding since I was 13, so um, I was like into into computer science uh, side of things. And um, towards my, I'd say senior year, that's when I um, first heard about Bitcoin. So, um, I, and I mean, obviously, like I heard about it before, but like like most of us, I thought that's just a fake or scam, and like it's not gonna go anywhere. But then. Again, um, like towards my senior year, I saw like it's it's picking up and there's something behind it. And then I like started reading about it and understanding the, the technology behind it, like the blockchain side of things. And then I, I got really into it, like understanding the concept, especially coming from a computer science background. It was really beneficial for me and really intriguing. I was really motivated. And um, that led to discovering Ethereum. Got it. And Brian? Uh, yeah, hi. Um, I've been, uh, so I've been working in operations management for geez, about 15 years now in one, one iteration or another. I started my career in working in universities. Then I moved to LA, uh, joined an edutech startup. Um, from there, moved on to a industrial robotics startup. And then in 2017, uh, Kosala and I met through uh, an engineer that we both knew. I had heard of Ethereum. Um, many people that I'd worked with were already uh, were already involved in various at various levels of, de- of engagement with Ethereum, and so I was very interested in the idea of the economic models um, that are being experimented uh, on the Ethereum blockchain and. I had an emerging friendship with Kosala, and we were trying to find ways to work together. And in 20, late 2017, we started to work on a side project together. And then at the beginning of 2018, I, I joined Mew, and uh, we've been, it's been full speed ahead ever since. Right. So 
let's dig into Mew so people can get an understanding of what it is. And so it offers a nexus point for transacting the Ethereum ecosystem, providing unprecedented access to secure wallet, a comprehensive education that allows anyone to quickly take advantage of all the benefits of crypto has to offer. And this is all since 2015. So this is about five years now. And so we love to have people that have been here for a while. Uh, obviously, you know, the experience one year in crypto is uh, relative to about 10 years in normal human life. And so I always say that, uh, you know, with five years, you've had over 50 years of experience now. And so you've seen a lot. And so what we want to talk about is what is Mew? If people who are listening to the show, the family offices, the institutional investors out there that do not necessarily know as much as you or I about digital assets and about the infrastructure there, how would you explain you? And what was the original problem that you were set to solve with Ethereum when you first when this first launched? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, and right now, like right now, the problems that we are solving are completely different from the problems we solved um, initially, like in 2015. So like I mentioned before, uh, Bitcoin led me to get into Ethereum because like when they first released the yellow paper, I started reading about it and then understood that this is, I'd say, 100x better than just value transfer in Bitcoin protocol or like Bitcoin blockchain protocol. So um, I like I, I got into it, started reading more and more about it, getting to like, learn more, more and more about it. And then when they first... Um, released their mainnet and it was just few people most of them are developers who um, um, invested in the pre-sale so um, people but still like on reddit reddit was the main medium to like talk to these developers and like get in touch with people who were in ethereum at that point in time because it was a very small community and um, on reddit i saw so many people having uh, issues with basic tasks like creating a wallet or sending a transaction, receiving a transaction, what is their address? So all those things. And that's when I realized, okay, maybe I can just like in my free time put together a website or like a simple interface to do these basic tasks. So initially it was just to solve these basic issues that developers had um, in order to get into Ethereum and then start solving problems or building smart contracts. And that grew into, so from being a tool, um, but nowadays, like the audience or the people, the visitors that we get are completely different from what we got before. Like majority of them are uh, daily, like, like daily users, normal users, not coming from a technical background. So now the problems that we are solving are actually um, such as education, like let, letting people know, okay, what is Ethereum, how to get involved, how to um, transact, how to onboard, um, all those things, as well as um, making users understand that Ethereum has way more than um, like the value transfer aspect to it. Mm -hmm. So it can do smart contracts, it can interact with DeFi technologies. Um, and at the same time, we also have to be really careful about the security side of things because these people are not coming from a techno technological background or they're not as savvy as uh, the, the developers that we used to get before. So we have to make sure that we do everything possible to make sure that the, the whole process is easy. At the same time, we are not compromising the security 
of the mm-hmm. users, making sure everyone's secure and then they can still continue to use Ethereum um, in the most simplest manner possible. And so I'd like to kind of get your opinion on this. And so it seems that the wallet space has moved to more human readable, whereas before, you you can probably attest, where if you had a wallet, you had to be comfortable with cryptographic hashes. There was a lot of nuance. The UI and UX was much more tech savvy versus everyday mom and pop type of use. Um, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, today, you know, 75 year olds that are farmers from Missouri are going to be using, you know, sophisticated cryptographic wallets right now because it's still, you know, obviously a little bit, dif- you know, not difficult, but I would say technically, uh, you know, obviously educated. You know, when do you think we get to a point where someone, a 65-year-old grandma from Minnesota can, you know, quickly just use this and it could be that simple where she would not make a mistake, she would feel comfortable with it? What do you think we need? I'm curious. What do you think we need to get to? Where do we need need to get to so people, everyday people can feel comfortable with this? That's a good question. Um, So... First, you have to think about, like you mentioned before, the, the security side of things. That's where we have to balance um, security and usability. So the main problem right now is of uh, making a 65-year-old grandma use Ethereum is the, the technical side of things, the knowledge. So educating them in a way that they can understand these little tiny complicated things that are necessary to maintain maintain the security of their wallets because people are the, the users are the ones who are in control of their wallets. Like I think it's really hard to make them feel like or make them understand that there's no central bank or there's no one place that they can call to get help. So they have to educate themselves and like come to a point that they feel comfortable. But to answer your question, we are approaching that. We're slowly but steadily approaching that that period of time. But I'm not going to say that's going to happen in two years or like three years. It might take like a decade for people who are like in that age range to understand or get into easily get into crypto like cryptocurrencies in general or like Ethereum. But there are so many different projects, including our project, that are constantly working on making this happen. I think that, I think that, uh, just speaking a little bit to what Kosala said, I think that what we're, what we are doing is evolving, evolving our our project to facilitate the use cases that are emerging now, mm-hmm. and as well as adapting to an ever-evolving audience, an, an audience that is, becomes one, two, three layers removed from the, uh, from the developers uh, who came before them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, meeting, and finding those use cases, facilitating those use cases so that they meet the needs of those audiences. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, so what we're really talking about is we're a cultural shift like a cultural shift within the internet that shifts more personal responsibility to 
two uh, individuals. I, so when, when you talk about somebody like a 65-year-old farmer, my, my father is 70 and a, a, a former uh, a retired uh, police officer, he doesn't understand most of the more complex concepts that go in behind you. Um, right. But there are things that he understands that meet his needs. The idea of DeFi, he, he, he doesn't understand fully, he doesn't fully understand the, what goes on behind the scenes, but he understands how, how to interact with a wallet. He understands right. why, why he would do this. Um, he understands uh, you know, uh, deposit accounts, uh, gaining interest. He understands that. Uh, it's just sort of getting to the point of uh, this is uh, this is something that I want to do, mm-hmm. um, uh, and understanding it well and uh, well enough to feel like you can take the risk. And right. so we're moving towards that point. Right. And I think another one that's in really incredibly important is compostability, the ability to have one wallet that can migrate and do lots of other things and be able to incorporate with other platforms. And so, you know, I know that's something that everyone in the Ethereum space is working on today. And so I want to get into a little bit more about um, Ethereum and why you guys are such fans of Ethereum uh, what initially got you into it? You know, most people talk about the Turing completeness. They talk about the smart contract capability versus, say, the Bitcoin blockchain. Um, and so, you know, what got you into it? Why are you centered around it? And what do you think, you know, what is the future for Ethereum? Obviously, it's going through a radical change from proof of work to proof of stake. You know, what do you think the value proposition for institutional investors is right now? Yeah, so... Um the reason that I initially got into Ethereum is because I was like, I was going through that period of time. I was trying to understand what the blockchain is. And then I was really fascinated by the technology behind it. And then that automatically kind of led me to getting into Ethereum because Bitcoin was like the only blockchain system or like value transfer was the only type of, blockchain system that existed before Ethereum. So everyone was just like, when they talk about cryptocurrency, everyone was just talking about sending a value from point A to point B or person A to person B. Uh, versus Ethereum, when it came out, it again, like made a radical change. It introduced smart contracts. It, it introduced logic-based transactions to blockchain. So it was just like aha moment or like wow moment for me uh, when I read the yellow paper and I I just I just got into it and then like since then I'm still like running with it every day. There's something new happening every day. I'm learning about something new, and it just keeps that interest. Like it the the, the developer community is so together, and the the community overall is like in a good place. Like we are discussing and like overall the whole project is moving forward in a very neutral but like decentralized way which is really essential in this type of um, environment and yes like ethereum is going through like some major changes and it's coming up and i think um the beacon like in 2020 will be uh like we'll see some major like protocol changes, like the changes to Ethereum, which will make it better in the future. 
And ultimately, we are going towards a future where we can transact enough transactions per second compared to uh, usual like a regular Visa card or like a debit card, a credit card type of um, transaction system that that's based on centralized uh, technology versus we're trying to bring that whole uh, concept to and do it in a decentralized way in Ethereum. And that's that's why the proof of stake and uh, these new uh, E2.0 changes are necessary. The uh, Yeah, I was just going to say that, yeah, I think one of the value propositions for institutional uh, investors will be the increased throughput that comes with E2.0, um, the uh, faster settlement, higher numbers of transactions, um, and then the uh, and then uh, the the skin in the game aspect of mm-hmm. being able to uh, be responsible for securing the network and further decentralizing uh, the way Ethereum works. Right. Um, I just was going to say I was also going to say that what got me into the Ethereum was uh, Kosala, as you can hear, he's effusive. <laughs> his, his 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 uh, his enthusiasm for Ethereum is absolutely contagious. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's with obviously as I mentioned before, you know, with the ability to run smart contracts and a system that has state versus Bitcoin blockchain and other ones out there that are stateless. You know, there's obviously value propositions there. Um, and the Bitcoin community really doesn't seem to be motivated um, because they feel that it would you know, open up specific attack vectors to L1. And so, you know, I, I see that obviously there is a world. And this is why I always say time and time again on my show, I am not a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm not an Ethereum maximalist. I'm a knowledge maximalist because you really need to learn everything that's happening out there. And so this is incredibly interesting. And I want to talk about... You know, you just wrote um, why Ethereum needs to go mobile. And so the idea there, I imagine, is that we are a population of 7.7 billion people. Um, I think upward bands of 60 some odd percent, if not more, have a mobile device. And so as opposed to having very complex rigs and having immense amounts of energy, it would be really great if we could be able to do things like validate and potentially mine on our phones. So can you talk a little bit more about the mobile play? Why is it so key, uh, especially in the wake of what we're dealing with right now with a global pandemic? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so mainly, yeah, like I'm glad you brought up the, the global pandemic issue, pandemic issue, because um, that just, that makes us not be not be able to go to certain corporate locations that we are used to. So most of us are regularly, like if not more, I think for something somewhere around 42% of our online time was on mobile phones before, but I'm pretty sure now it's like 60, 70 range because of this, like what's happening around us. And we are always so used to this um, simplicity. Like it's on your phone, right? Like we used to carry a digital phone or like the cassette recorder to like listen to songs and all those different things. But now we have everything on our handheld device, like a smartphone, and we don't have to carry anything else. And eventually, and if like most of the modern phones are if not like better than most of the laptops out there, like it, it's equal, like it, it can get to a pretty decent level in like performance wise as well. So everything that 
you can do with the, the computer or a desktop, it's going to, you are going to be able to do it with a smartphone. So that's why, and then just like you mentioned, we have a huge population um, that are already using smartphones compared to desktop computers. And we have to tap into this market and like bringing in simplicity and then letting them do like DeFi loans, lending, like um, all those things with a few taps on their phone will be like a big lead or like a big way to get into the mass uh, market. And especially also since most of the big um, phone manufacturers like HTC and Samsung and um, Syrian Lab, they're already working on integrating blockchain into their phone. And some already have already integrated because like most of the new Samsung phones already have that built in. So it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to be a matter of time. It's already part of our daily life, like having smartphone and then having blockchain in our smartphone. And um, I think we're not far away from making your smartphone a validator either because um, gold right now is for Ethereum, especially uh, for a POS validator, like it can, you can be become a validator on a Raspberry Pi, which is like $15 device. And most of our smartphones are way more capable, uh, have way more power than a Raspberry Pi. So we can easily um, use our phone to become a validator. And that speaks to a little bit to one of the things that we always talk about in crypto is, is banking the unbanked. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think what's actually talked about quite enough is that if uh, economies work locally and when you, when you move to mobile, you're getting a far broader uh, uh, population interacting with uh with the blockchain and that's what spurs innovation people we're there are people who will be exposed to ethereum by an increased mobile presence and then innovation is going to be uh to to be built out of that and new use cases are going to be found um in these localities that we haven't really quite we've only started to just reach because blockchain has been so heavily um, uh, so heavily tied to laptops and desktops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so in this new world that we're dealing with right now, as I said, we're all at our respective homes. Uh, obviously, a majority of the planet is in some way, shape, or form in a lockdown. I'm here in New York. You know, Brian is in Los Angeles. Kosala is out of the country. And so every part of the world is dealing with us right now. And so in your opinions, how is uh, the virus, how is COVID-19 impacting digital assets, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the entire blockchain space? I think it's a bit early to say. Um, it's important to remember that that. This Bitcoin was built on a financial crisis, mm-hmm. um, and now, and now here we are, over ten years later, and we're finding this. Uh, Crypto is actually feeling uh, feeling its first its first global financial crisis, and I think it's a little early to tell how how it's going to manifest long term. Um, but what I will say is that the industry itself has has also built up. 
around by this ethos. Uh, by this ethos, it's we have we we are actually one of the few projects that actually has a, a central office. We have distributed teams, but uh, or so, but the core uh, my ether wallet team uh, is out of this office in downtown Los Angeles, and we reacted quite quickly um, to. Uh, uh, to switching to remote and it's worked relatively seamlessly. And I know that a lot of the projects that we worked with closely have experienced the same thing. Mm -hmm. They've adapted very quickly because we're sort of built on this ethos of decentralization and distributed, uh, distributed teams. So I, I think that we're uniquely uniquely uh, equipped to weather this storm. Um, and so uh, I, I think, so, so far, uh, it's for many teams, it's been business as usual, mm -hmm. even if the markets are taking quite a hit. Right. And so I think one of the last things I wanted to address, and as, as far as I know, um, you has been you know really good with this, is around customer support. Um, around phishing and scams. And so we have unfortunately seen hacks. We've seen issues around, obviously, unscrupulous people trying to take advantage. Uh, we've seen lots of things happen in this space in its infancy. And in relative terms, there's obviously a lot of things that happen in traditional finance and traditional world. And so you know, I think a lot of people need to just give that some respect and some perspective that this is still a very early kind of growth and community and so things will happen obviously when you invent a new technology there are those people who are trying to do bad things that will take advantage of it um i remember reading a story that one of the first use cases of the automobile was for robbers bank robbers they started to pivot to the automobile because they didn't want to use horses anymore and get caught and so <laughs> you know think about that and so as you're handling customer support around phishing and scams, what do you think some of the things that people who are listening right now need to be careful about? I think mainly um, what they really need to think about is, or like be careful about is learn or have enough knowledge before you get into um, any cryptocurrency, right? Like do your due diligence, like do some research behind it. It doesn't, it's not necessarily, it's not, necessarily just for cryptocurrencies like if you're going to buy a new product you always try to like do some research or background and try to understand like how it is or is it better than a different one so it goes to our life in a level so we have to we have to do our due diligence in in everything that we get into so it the same thing or same thing yeah same thing goes to uh, cryptocurrencies as well so just like you don't have to be extremely not like you don't have to have extreme knowledge in how ethereum works how any of the cryptocurrencies works all these like technological terms public addresses um, cryptography and signing you don't have to know all of those things but like if if you have to know one thing is that you are the one who's in control so every step you do is something that you have to think about and then make sure you're doing the right thing. Um, one of the biggest or uh, worst uh, 
attack vectors or cases that users fall into are the phishing attacks where they think that they're on uh, on the right side and but they're not they're on a different or like fake site that'll steal your information and this is not that's not something that's only applicable to cryptocurrencies or blockchain it's also applicable to your like facebook account or your uh, bank accounts easily like a fisher can create a website that is similar to um, one of those websites that you use on a daily basis and then send you a fake link and then you click on it and then you'll think oh hey yeah this looks right let me put my information uh, without validating whether you're on the correct website so these are the if if i have to say one thing that you have to be really careful about is make sure the applications, the tools that you're using are valid and genuine and from the right people. So because we, as in like Money to Wallet, try our best to make sure everything, you can do everything in a secure way, but at the same time in a simple way. So that's also like in order to avoid these phishing attacks, we actually came up with the phone application, uh, which is New Wallet, that will take care of um, majority of these issues where where it's applicable to phishing attacks. And so, yeah, that, that if I have to say one thing that everyone has to remember is make sure you know the basics of any cryptocurrency um, mm-hmm. and you, you know that you have, you are the person who's in control. Right. There's no one else. Right. And as we're getting towards the top of the hour on the show with us, you know, one of the things that we like to do um, is quickly ask our guests, and this is impromptu, and you, you don't have to have an answer ready, but if you do, um, we like to just find out a little bit personal things about um, our guests, what gets them ticking. And so if you have read anything recently, books, articles, anything that really resonated with you um, hopefully you're getting some time to decompress in this new world order that we're dealing with and any music that you like. Um, we like to just ask that question. It seems to be a fun one to get a sense of a person's personality. So anything that you've read recently, and again, not putting you on the spot, if you don't have a good answer, that's fine. And any music that you listen to. Sure. Um, <laughs> I don't get to read much that isn't uh, somewhat job related. One of the things that I did read recently, uh, just very quickly, uh, it was in the Defiant newsletter, mm. um, talking uh, the uh, talking about how open source is saving lives um, under the COVID nineteen pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of crypto is. It was just a little bit of uh, validated because so much of crypto and so much of Ethereum is built on open source software. Our project is open source. And so it's, it's, it was validating to know that, you know, to, to be reminded that there's a reason for open source. Uh, it really does benefit the world um, for build, to give builders the tools they need mm-hmm. to, to innovate. Um, so I thought, uh, so if you have a chance, I would recommend reading that. Uh, I've been listening to the new U.S. Girls album. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with her, uh, she's she's fantastic. Um, I'll have to give that a listen. I forget her the, the name of the record, but yeah, the latest one is fantastic. I'll have to give that a listen. Kosla, anything about you? Um, yeah, that was a, <laughs> the unexpected question, but... Um, 
where we are well i am um also trying to like make use of this free time um to increase my knowledge in different areas other than blockchain so recently i started um learning a little bit about machine learning and um like how neural networks can create you know artificial intelligence and the robots and all this so um i hope the irobot is not going to happen but um but yeah i i got more into that lately and then i've been studying on uh different algorithms for uh, machine learning and from the ethereum side um um i'm a big fan of um week in ethereum so the last one um the newsletter week in ethereum uh, the one march the last week's one and um it has a lot of good uh, links to new th- things that are happening in ethereum like especially e2.0 like what's the roadmap uh what are people working on and how is it affecting and uh what we can expect in 2020 and all those things so that's a really good um the, the especially the last one is a really good um uh email on this letter great and so the last thing i like to do is where can people find out more about me where can they go utopia it's a real site mutopia.com um it's uh it's where they can learn more about like new and Ethereum in general, but um, the the best news source will be our Twitter account, which is at my Ether Wallet. Great. So thank you, Kosala and Brian, for joining us from you. This was enlightening. As I said, uh, back in 2015, they launched my Ether Wallet, and anyone who's been in digital assets for that amount of time has known. They were one of the first and one of the best out there. And so thank you for joining us on the show and we'll hopefully have you back and see how things are progressing. Thanks all. Thanks David. Thanks David. For more notes from this past episode about our guests, please go to www.ar.ca/baselayer. Nothing stated on this podcast should be taken as investment advice which would require a thorough assessment of each investor's personal financial profile and risk tolerance. Statements regarding past performance are not necessarily indicative of future returns. If you like what you're listening to on Baselayer, let us know. Subscribe, give us a like, or hit us up on Twitter. Arca at @arca or myself David Nage at @davidjn79. Let us know and we'd love to obviously hear from you. For additional resources to help sophisticated listeners like yourself learn about the digital asset space in the financial terms you understand, please visit www.ar.ca for articles, market commentary, videos, and more.